Welcome everybody to, this is actually number 17 in our series of webinars that we've uh, been doing over the over the past few weeks, um, really looking at some of the, the challenges, some of the marketing challenges um, that we know that uh, brands are facing or some, some of our clients have been facing, um, but also to talk about some of the you know the success stories and 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 things that have come out of this that we could we can uh, focus on that, that are positive. And um, today we're we we, we well we, we've been doing a, a number of different uh, looking at different sectors. And today we're we're focusing on kind of food and drink and FMCG. And uh, we're really lucky to have been joined by David Nibbs today. Um, I, I I know David uh, having worked with him in a, a, a previous. Uh, agency in the in the in the very recent past and doing some work with him and his team and uh you know seeing um the the tofu co uh, a hugely successful brand in a in a growing category um a high quality product that's very authentic and super tasty and um, myself and my wife have been enjoying it ever since we uh, we got to know about the brand and uh, and especially as you can buy it almost everywhere now which is which is absolutely brilliant so uh, and, and actually one of one of the one of the things that we experienced working with David is it's almost like too good to be true it sells itself and uh, and you you've been uh, running to make it make enough of uh, make enough tofu so that's that's just a little bit of a, a, a background to to David and like I say very grateful for you joining us today so I just wondered if you wanted to start by filling in some of the stuff that I I didn't say then tell us a little bit about yourself and about Tofu Co. Will do. Um, yeah, Tofu Co. Uh, started life uh, for just over four years ago now when that notification thing didn't work. Um, <laughs> um, no, we, we, we started life about four years ago. Myself and my wife uh, got got to the point where we'd had enough of working for other people really i think that's probably what spurs a lot of people on to uh to go and work for themselves and um we've both worked in uh food pretty much all our careers off and on and we we were looking for uh, an opportunity that we said was kind of broadly in the health category um you know and, and we were open to what those opportunities sometimes it's about something coming across your way and and my wife got um sick and tired of uh, me trying to find something and was on the internet one day and and uh looked for small businesses for sale and came across this we came across five or six of them and sat in amongst them was this uh tofu business uh based in north yorkshire um and we thought wow that sounds really interesting our experiences of tofu were almost universally negative um so to see an opportunity where we felt uh the product was probably inferior was it has turned out to be a bit of a revelation but the guy who'd run it had had built a very good business quite a small business it was turning over 600,000 a year um, but fundamentally he made he was an absolute student of making great tofu and he made tofu we hadn't tasted before we weren't vegans we weren't vegetarians we were finding ourselves giving up uh, meat and not eating meat as much um, and we went we looked around the factory we walked through the door we tried the product and it was a bit like buying a home you kind of know when you're you know there's something you really want to buy and we walked through that door and we were like this looks amazing we're going to buy it um, so we raised some money from friends and family uh, we did a whole load of category work we did a load of consumer research on the proposition 
Um, and then about, uh, well, it was January 2016, we bought the business, uh, spent six months learning how to make tofu. Um, uh, so I won't say I'm a black belt in making tofu now, but, but um, yeah, a reasonable dab hand. Um, and uh, we, we got to grips with that, uh, but very much with the ambition that we were going to build the whole insight and the whole gem here was nobody loved tofu and you might say well no big surprise because why should anybody love tofu but having tried the product we felt uh, there was a real gap in the market and back four and a half years ago also the market was absolutely dominated by corn and cauldron um, who were both owned by the same company and if you walk to that chilled meat free uh, meat free fixture in a retailer that's really all you saw was corn and cauldron and we felt there was an opportunity particularly for millennials uh, who were the ones saying they were giving up meat more than anybody else there was an opportunity to kind of modernize bring a new brand in um, and develop a, an initiative with that. And um, we set out an agenda that said we thought we could build a £40 million category. Tofu was only £7 million at the time. Uh, and off we set on our journey. We did a load of research. We managed to trademark uh, a brand called the Tofu Co. Um, and we launched into Tesco in October 2016. Um, and as Paul said, I mean, since then it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a roller coaster, really. So if we wind forward to today and look back, the business this year will probably turn over 14 million. Um, and we've spent the last four years really trying to keep up uh, with the consumer who seems to have a rapacious appetite for the product and the brand that we developed. Um, we've gone from Cauldron was the brand leader in tofu. We're now the brand leader in tofu, but Cauldron's carried on growing. And we've brought just a whole load of new consumers into tofu because our product is fundamentally quite different from what was out there. Um, and as a result of that, that category that was 7 million when we started is now 32 million. Uh, and it's the fastest growing segment of meat-free. Um, and our naked product has gone from... Uh, in three years from being uh, an idea to being the best-selling line in the whole category, uh, yeah. overtaking Corn's Cocktail Sausage. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, it's, it's, been a, it's been a massive roller coaster for Yeah, me. it's a, an amazing story. And, and um, I think, you know, one of the first things uh, when, when I met you and, and the guys and uh, what, you know, the first real pivotal moment for me was understanding your ambition for this not to be a meat-free product, but for tofu to be sat there alongside just food, just just good food, you know. Um, and I think that, and then the, the way that the the different trends and what's been, you know, what what happened over the last few years is, um, you know, that the world kind of agrees with your your vision. So I mean, happy days. Yeah, I mean, our mission was always tofu for all. I mean, we get vegans writing in sometimes and, you know, they're a massive part of our uh, of our brand and our sales. But, but you know, that it, it's not just a vegan proposition. It never was. Uh, it was always about enjoying and loving tofu uh, for what it was, which is a fantastic product. It's versatile. It's flexible. Uh, and so our vision for that category now is we think tofu as a, as a standalone category can be 100 million in the UK uh, sometime in the next five or six years. Um, and yeah, we see no reason not to doubt that. We think it's got international dimensions. We think it's got a lot going for it. 
Yeah, I'm sure. And um, so, so you know, that we we've been kind of looking at um, you know how how recent events have affected different businesses in different categories. So, I mean, kind of intrigued to know, you know, what what happened with you, what happened on day one when you started going, oh my God, we're going to have to distance everyone, put close things, send people home. You know what 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 happened and how did you how did you deal with it all? I mean, I guess we've had we we've probably had two significant impacts. Uh, Jam Feb this year, before it all happened, were by some distance our, our biggest months ever. Um, uh, you know, the whole veganuary thing, the whole the whole trend around meat free. So we were on a, a, a big upward trajectory. I mean, Jam Feb this year was double the previous year, um, and so we we were kind of in that space. And then when COVID hit, I mean, obviously the first thing was was trying to make sure. Um, you know, everybody wanted us to keep producing. So there was never any doubt, you know, we were a, a core staple item of the meat free category. We we're going to have to keep producing. And our business is very retail biased. So we probably rightly recognized that demand was going to continue to be there. Um, we then got hit by that tsunami that a lot of food producers got, which was for two weeks, the, 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 the world kind of lost its, its mind a little bit thinking, you know, they had to go out and get anything and everything they could. And and for sure, our sales went way past what we could supply. Uh, we if you'd have, and if you'd have said to someone two or three years ago, one day people will be panicked buying tofu. Unbelievable. Honestly, it, you know, we've had letters from consumers, can't get it. You know, there was even an article in The Sun and it ended up being about our uh, our smoked tofu. You know, what's the world come to? You know, consumers complaining about not being able to get smoked tofu. Uh, but actually, for those consumers, it's become a staple part of their, you know, what they're making in their meals. It's not a luxury item anymore. We're, a, we're an item that people are cooking with, you know, day in, day out. Um, and so we... We like, you know, first we had to make sure we'd sorted out all the uh, isolation bits and the social distancing bits, which we've been able to do. Uh, we sent all the office home, so we're now working from home. And, and the fact, so we kind of split it where the factory was um, kind of fairly self contained and we segregated parts of the factory to stop, um, you know, too much interaction. Um, and uh, we, we had to put on extra shifts. Uh, we had to quickly motivate the supply chain to make sure we got stuff around us. But because we were on such a steep growth curve anyway, we've only really carried on at the same level. I mean, we're not now the world has settled down. Fresh meat substitutes is one of the fastest growing categories at the moment in uh, um, in the Nielsen audit. Um, and, and we're doing well within that. We're growing our share of meat free um but it settled back down more or less to the levels we were at before um uh and we're selling everything we can produce at the moment paul i mean we haven't got a spare box uh at the yeah, yeah i'm sure and um and we did you did you do um any kind of new product launches that were kind of around this time and did how how, how did did that work out just as easily or I mean, we had some new product launches at the back end of last year and into um, into the start of this year, and, and they've worked really well. You have found that core SKUs particularly are the ones people are concentrating on, and we have another brand called ClearSpot, and we, um, we, we took out some of the range there to give us longer production runs on core SKUs. 
Uh, we've subsequently been able to introduce, reintroduce most of those. But um, yeah, I think, you know, pe people, I think the one thing that is clear in our category is that food service being closed down largely, so restaurants and stuff like that, consumers would traditionally, this is our view, have done their experimentation about what they were eating potentially out of home. Mm. And so they'd be going to Thai, they'd be going to street food places and they'd be trying new stuff there. And that might eventually trickle down into the retail trade. Well, of course, all that experimentation out the home has been taken away. And I know things like meal kits and cooking sauces and particularly the more unusual ones are doing quite well at the moment. And I think we've benefited probably from that same trend, which is people are having a go at doing something different and as a result of that you've seen international cuisine do very very well yeah i think when we were when we just had our catch-up um yesterday i thought you 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 you, t you said some stuff to me that i thought was really everything you said was really fascinating but <laughs> in particular and i think and I, I, it'd be great if you could share it and you were talking about um how you know historically food had been dumbed down commoditized do you want to, do you want to just yeah. tell, tell her get on your soapbox about that one yeah, I, you know, I mean I, it's been an interesting journey being in the food industry probably for the last 20 years because food has become a, a commodity to a lot of consumers certainly buying from retailers you've seen the growth of the discounters um, and you've seen people become more and more reluctant you know they want foreign holidays they want luxury items and they don't want to spend money on food um and so if you look at a lot of core staples there's been no inflation on core staples and and i, I would say you know kind of food eaten in the home had, had kind of had been dumbed down and it was all about the cheapest basket price and and people had forgotten perhaps the enjoyment of eating at home and it's been quite interesting this last six seven weeks you take away the restaurants um, and, you know, myself and my wife are doing it, you know, on a Saturday, we'll get dressed up a bit and we'll, we'll buy something nice and we'll, we'll cook, uh, and we'll, you know, enjoy that and try and create something that perhaps we'd have eaten out of the home. And I, I've got a feeling one of the longer term trends that we might see is that people start to value food eaten in the home a little bit more. And, you know, perhaps they, they, cause it's one of the pleasures we've got in life at the moment is going to the supermarket there aren't many things you're allowed out the home to do, and that's one of them. And um, I think that might be a long-term trend that we see continue. A bit more experimentation, a bit less, you know, it's five dishes a cook and nothing else. And perhaps people doing a little, little bit more cooking at home, which I think, you know, is no bad thing. Yeah, and uh, and and certainly that kind of, like you say, that, um, there's been... that. There's been a very limited list of things that you can do in lockdown, but enjoying food and discovering, you know, we've all heard the stories about flour being out of stock. You can't buy yeah. yeast anywhere, you know, people baking. But I, I, I think I think it, I think you, I think you're onto something there. And it's, a, and it's a really interesting insight to to say that we may have we may have rediscovered food as yeah. and put it slightly back up the, the the list of priorities and something that we're going to take seriously and, and really enjoy. Um, yeah, I could see that, Paul. And, and you know, we we as a brand, I mean, one of the things we've always done is try and offer up recipes because a lot of people don't know what to do with tofu. So we've always been in a place where we've offered recipes and things and, and helped them overcome the barrier of what do I do with it? And we've gone even further with that during the 
lockdown period, you know, we've tried to limit it to, you know, we've done some recipes involving uh, 12 uh, essential cupboard items and get people to create stuff and they're sending, you know, recipes into us. So we've always been about creating interesting dishes. Uh, and I think you'll see more brands do that, you know, going forward, really try and inspire people to do stuff uh, with food. Yeah. And, and um, I guess, you know, I was going to ask you about, well, you, you know, it, I would have asked you about, so how did you cope with your marketing challenges? Well, that you, 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 didn't, you didn't need to do a lot of advertising at this time, but if, um, if anybody wants to go and check the, um, the you know, Tofu social channels and, uh, you know, particularly the Instagram feed, um, and, and like you say, you've been, you've been putting out recipes. Now, it's not that you wouldn't have put out recipes before, but, yeah. but, but now they're, they're, they're they're going to mean a lot more to people and 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 you know we've seen statistics around the amount of time that people are spending a lot more time on social media so they're reading more stuff absorbing more stuff so absolutely bang on the money to be being helpful at this time you know everybody's saying brands need to be helpful um and uh well it's a win-win publishing recipes for your own product isn't it yeah, and we felt we had a duty to inspire. Yeah. You know, we've always felt part of the part of our role was to try and inspire people to know what to do with it. You know, we're the we're the brand that loves tofu, so you know, let's help people discover that same love that we've got for it. And um, you know, particularly through you know this kind of time, it, it felt even more uh, the reason to do that kind of stuff, really. So. Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, and we're, we're selling everything we can produce. I mean, we're, we're shorting customers a little bit at the moment, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I guess the, um, the, 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 it kind of brings us on to like, um, so, so what, what do we think the, the future looks like? And um, when, again, when we were talking yesterday, you know, I was saying before all this happened, let's not forget that we were, we just finished sorting out Brexit We'd had Extinction Rebellion and the, the planet, you know, environmental collapse, and we've all been a bit distracted. Um, and I was talking about a, a dairy business that's also in Yorkshire that had, that had had a big a big uptick in their sales because of the environmental side, because people wanted to have non-plastic and, you know, recyclable packaging, i.e. a bottle on your doorstep. And then they'd had another uptick because of the need to do home deliveries during COVID. And, the, and, it, and, it, and it, I, was, I was kind of thinking that, you know, there's actually a few of these trends that are, are kind of, you don't want to call COVID a trend, but it's a thing that's happened. So, it's a, you know, we've been through a lot of these things. And uh, I wonder what your view is about how that then shapes the consumer going forwards and how do you think that might um, benefit or affect what, what you guys are doing? I mean, I th I, inevitably, I think like most consumers, there, there will be changes coming the other side of it, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, trends like working from home, for example. Now that door's been open, it's probably going to be really difficult to close it back behind us again and think of the implications particularly that's got for food to go. I mean, there's a really good example, you know, that front of store fixture that's full of sandwiches um, and the throughputs that go through those fixtures, you know, they're part of the hottest parts of stores often at lunch times. Do we think that that's going to go through a bit of a revolution? It probably is. 
uh, because if you've got people at home, they're going out less to stores to buy a, a sandwich. So you you could see you could see changes in shopping patterns and shopping behaviours. The return to a weekly shop and perhaps away from top up shops. You know, do you see some of those things? More people doing more online. So I think there are some big changes in that the how we shop bit. Yeah. just the physical action of how we shop that you know people like us are going to have to respond to and think about what we're providing and, and what works for consumers in the longer term we've always been about ingredients helping people to cook tofu is an ingredient we are looking at more prepared stuff but fundamentally our heartland is is ingredient led and i think that will continue um i think the other big trend i think will happen and it is a bit linked to your CSR stuff, you know, your social responsibility, sustainability, um, and is localism. I can see a, I can see a big impetus in food towards localism um, and away from the, um, you know, expecting that you're going to get your food from abroad um, when you want it all the yeah. time. Uh, again, back to that, I'm starting to value the food on my plate a little bit more. I think you might see a turn away from that and that might help British uh, producers a little bit more perhaps than we've seen in the past as people start to think about, you know, local a bit more. So there's a whole load of marketing challenges and, and challenges for us as we think about that. Yeah. And did you, um, uh, did you ever in, in any of your conversations get anywhere near going, Oh, we could do some direct to consumer type offerings rather than, you know, I mean, there's probably two reasons why the answer to that's a no, if I'm honest with you, Paul. One is chilled food through the mail. You can do it because, you know, Gusto, I mean, we're in, we're in Gusto's uh, box, we're in Mindful Chef. Yeah. Um, and those recipe boxes have done incredibly well. Uh, we're with Abel and Cole. Uh, and so a lot of these home delivery um, stations have, have done well. And I think we will continue to see an explosion of that. I, I'm, I don't think there's a role for just getting your tofu delivered to your home. You know, I, I, we would work through consolidators who were experts at that. So on the one hand, I think we'll, and we've had more people approaching us, I think we'll want to work with people. And they, things like Gusto are brilliant because they offer real inspiration for cooking new stuff. You do try stuff that you wouldn't try when you get a, a Gusto box. And we think that that's helped with our brand penetration being yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but I think the second thing was we just, you know, and this isn't the main reason. The main reason is the first one. We didn't have the capacity. We could sell every box yeah. uh, through the conventional channels we were working through. So there wasn't really a burning platform for us to go out and do yeah. it. Um, and, and like you say, given that you're in Abel and Cole and you're in Gusto, then you're already doing your direct consumer bit anyway. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, do, and do, you, do what's your do you do you feel like because again, you know, looking at the trends, like you say, localism, uh, uh, deliveries, and all this kind of thing. Do you think that's going to stick? Do you think that 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 you, you know? Also, we were talking to Global Web Index this morning, doing a, a different webinar, and they they surface the stuff about. People's, people being nervous about going to the supermarket a lot, so they'll cut it down to back to a weekly shop, not yeah. top-up shops. Um, so there, there, it does feel like there's been a bit of a change in retail behaviour, but it does sound like you've got your bases covered. 
Yeah, and you know, one of our big East, well, I say big East customers, but you know, we we've always overtraded with Ocado. Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think there's quite a southern bias to Ocado, um, but also a lot of the consumers, you know, kind of potentially um, time poor, you know, may, maybe had some money in their pocket. That was, you know, for us, we were selling, uh, you know, a more premium uh, proposition. It's organic. Um, and that suited the Ocado shoppers. So we've always done incredibly well with Ocado and the online channels anyway, because I think our consumer was already headed that way. Um, And I just think we'll see, I do think we'll see more of um, online. I think it is another catalyst as people get used to it. But I do think going back to what I said earlier, I think the big weekly shop might make a bit of a return um, as people stay at home more actually and you know, yeah about as much yeah and then and then obviously your, your goal being to make sure that you're persistently on the weekly shopping list rather than being a uh, exotic thing that gets purchased once in a blue moon and, and one of the beauties of home shopping is once you're in the basket yeah. um, and you're in the favorites you know a lot of people shop by going down the favorites on Ocado or tesco.com um, and they pick from the favorites list and you know, it's quite hard for brands to, to shake that off. So you're right. I think it is, uh, you know, it'll, it'll require different challenges for marketeers in working out how to get into the basket. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess just, just kind of finally, um, uh, feel free if any of, the, any of the attendees have got any questions, just pop them in the Q&A box. But I guess um, the, 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 the other stuff that, that, that I think it would be really interesting to know your opinion on would be... Um, maybe what some of the other brands have been doing so you know we saw kellogg's um you know get up and do their brands you know we've got the itv doing the uh, people's advert and you know how, how do you feel and png obviously leapt on all of itv's port uh, advertising portfolio and bought the whole lot um how, how do you feel like other brands have uh, you know how, how do you think their marketing's been? I mean, don't, don't if, if you don't want to slag anyone off, you don't need to, you know. Oh, and, I, and, I, and I don't think there's any need to slag anybody off. I mean, you know, marketing is quite often about making sure you're you're dealing with the zeitgeist. I mean, particularly when you're you're on social media, probably more so than anything else. I mean, I, you know. We, we as a company never felt it was massively our place to, to be overt about it. Um, we try to be helpful in the way that we can in offering inspiration on recipes, as I've said to you. And for some brands, I mean, obviously, there's a load of technology brands who've all gone brilliant. Let's talk about, you know, you never saw Microsoft advertising Microsoft Teams and all of no. a sudden, you know, it's everywhere, isn't it? Um, and, and with good reason. Um, so, you know, I think brands have got to find the right place. I've never liked, I've never been a massive fan of what I'd call forced marketing, you know, just trying to make a noise for the sake of making a noise. It was never, it's never been in our psyche to do that. I think you try and find a way appropriately to interject into people's lives. And I think the brands that do it well are the ones that figure out that. And they're probably the ones that, that get remembered for it rather than being... I don't know, pushy and, and almost too opportunistic. I think you yeah. could be opportunistic with a smile on your face and the ones that do it well have done that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, well, um, if, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I think, I think you know, what, you, what you've shared there is brilliant and, it, you know, it's, it's great to hear a success story. 
especially great to hear a, a, a local Yorkshire success story as well. I'm very pleased, uh, you know, to see the the branding so well and the, the that you and the team are kind of thriving through this. Yeah, you know, I mean, that that's probably the one thing I'd just close on. I mean, you you picked up an interesting point. The team have done an amazing job. I mean, everybody talks about, um, you know, the NHS and rightly so. But, you know, there's teams of people that work for us. You know, I've got, you know, we had eight staff when we first started. We've got 92 full-time employees now. Uh, and they're getting to work every day and keeping themselves uh, fit and healthy to make sure that we can produce the food that the UK needs. And there are a whole sway the people out there and and without teams like we've got you you know you can't achieve anything really they've done an amazing job yeah brilliant well well done and well done to them so um right so i think we'll 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 kind of wrap up there now so so thank you very much to to david nibs um uh, that was that was brilliant and i'm sure inspirational for lots of people and uh and, and, and fascinating stuff so thank you